0: Welcome to the Media People Podcast, the show where we speak to the people who make up the media industry to learn about where they started, where they are now, and the stories in between. I'm your host, Victor Genova. For more episodes, go to soundcloud.com slash media people podcast. Views expressed by participants are personal. Blair Potiv is the founder and owner of Ignite Consulting, a firm specializing in marketing solutions for small businesses and entrepreneurs. But before Blair ventured out to become her own boss, she was part of the Canadian media agency landscape, juggling omni-channel media campaigns for major clients like Cadbury, Two Oceans Wine, and Ikea. Blair chats with us about her past life in the media world, walking away from this promising career to pursue an MBA, and why after finishing grad school, she decided to go out on her own. Blair, thanks for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So let's kick it off by starting right from the beginning. Where are you from?
1: Okay, sounds good. Um, I'm from Toronto.
0: And uh, growing up, you know, were you an only child, brothers and sisters?
1: Uh, yeah, I have one younger sister, three years younger than me.
0: And uh, tell us about your time growing up in Toronto. Were you a musician, an athlete? Kind of like, what would you classify yourself as?
1: I'm probably a school nerd. Definitely not a that's- musician or an athlete. I uh, like to read a lot. I did some dance and some gymnastics, so that's sort of athletic, I guess.
0: Was there anything, so you delved a bit into the arts. Was there anything specifically that kind of inspired you? What would you consider your passion per se?
1: I guess I did love to dance. I did dance up until I was about 12 or 13. So at the time, I was pretty passionate about that.
0: And outside of uh out of dance or your hobbies or your passions, who did you look up to uh, growing up
1: um i mean i don 't think I had a specific role model um but i, I guess I always looked up to my parents always that 's a cheesy answer I know, but uh they are always pretty good role models for me and my sister
0: but you also said too that you were a big nerd for reading. <laughs> yes, it sounds like you did a lot of reading. I mean what kind of books influenced you growing up?
1: When I was younger, I read a lot of uh, fantasy type books. I was really into time travel. Back to the Future is also my favorite movie. So wait, wait,
0: wait, wait, wait. Back to the Future. One, two, or three
1: definitely one
0: really yeah see i think three that's my favorite western movie when people say really? that's not a, no that is a western hands down number two it got a little too dark but number three yeah absolutely fantastic okay we're gonna get sidetracked okay. but have you seen <laughs> but have you seen that trailer for uh, it's a lego video game with doc brown from back to the future
1: no i have to watch you this. got
0: to watch that back <laughs> to the future is making a comeback and it's funny because it's 2015 i now. know
1: it's the year that marty mcfly goes back to the future and we
0: do not have hoverboards we do not no. have flying cars
1: we don't have shoes that lace themselves up
0: no but we, we still have <laughs> nike though no yeah. one has a delorean
1: that's true uh
0: so you're really big in, into the fantasy novels and fantasy yeah. stories mm-hmm. uh, a really big escape for you jumping into those books
1: I think so. I think it was just kind of fun to read about a completely different world that doesn't exist. So I also really loved all the Narnia books too. I read, I think all seven of them or how many, many there were of that. So yeah, I was very into books like that.
0: And it's crazy to think about that, that a lot of those books that we grew up reading are becoming movies now. Things like The Giver and uh, Narnia, Disney's yeah. gone through those. Uh, but your, your time in high school though, you mentioned that there was uh, a class called Media
1: Yes. Um, in grade 11, I took a class called media probably cause I just thought it would be an easy grade. Um, but once I started taking the class, um, I was really interested in it and I thought it was really cool and thought maybe this could be potentially a career possibility once I took the class.
0: And, uh, I mean, what did you get out of it what did they teach you like at the high school level for media because when i was growing up it was like history math (laughs) gym repeat
1: yeah um we kind of looked and we did uh we did do a section in the class on advertising ad campaigns and uh there was also um movies and we would review movies and look at it for cinematography and different kind of angles things like that so i just thought the whole class was really interesting
0: and after you wrapped up high school, uh, where did you go from there?
1: Um, well, I went to uh, Dalhousie University for my undergrad.
0: So you were out all the way in Halifax. Yes. So you packed up your bags, you left Toronto, and you went to Halifax. Yes. Had you ever been there before?
1: No. I. It's kind of crazy, but yeah, I'd never been to Halifax before. It looked pretty in a picture, and I thought it looks like a nice place to live. <laughs>
0: So you didn't even go and fly over for some sort of, not necessarily an orientation, but to kind of preview the school, walk the grounds for a day or two. You just, no. you applied, they said, yes, you packed a suitcase and (laughs) kind of the rest is history.
1: Yeah. I didn't do a campus tour or anything. Once I was accepted, I just decided, okay, I'm going to go out there. And, um, I just had the feeling it would be completely different than Toronto, which is kind of something that I was looking for.
0: When you landed there in Halifax and you were there living there for the first time, uh, Kind of like, what were those initial moments like? Because I've done that too, yeah. When you kind of pack a bag and you don't know Scared. where you're heading.
1: Yeah. Um, the first day was the most terrifying. I remember my parents uh, helped me move in and then they left. And I was just sitting there by myself in my dorm room realizing, I moved all the way across the country, and I don't know a single person. So I think that first day or first few days were definitely the worst.
0: But I find when you put yourself in those moments and you get through it, and any other time something difficult comes up in life, you kind of can reflect back on that and say, well, I packed up and moved to a new place. I can tackle anything.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it was a really good experience for me. I never really ventured very outside of toronto up until then i was always grew up here went to camps close by so um to just move completely by myself to a new place was kind of something i was really wanted to do and try it out
0: and don't blame me for that that's something a lot of young people in the gta do simply because everything is here yeah so uh your time at dalhousie what were you studying
1: um, so I did a Bachelor of Commerce or business degree, and uh, so it was a four-year program, and I did a specialization in marketing for my third and fourth year.
0: And correct me if I'm wrong, there was co-op attached to that as well.
1: Yeah, so it was a co-op program, which um, kind of was one, one of the reasons that I applied. thought it would be good to kind of take breaks from school and have um, work placements
0: when you did your work placements though because i when i was at brock university i had friends that were in co-op as well i found that after the first year they were kind of misaligned with everyone else like they had yeah. summer then they had a semester of school and then they went right back into co-op for another term and all their friends were out uh, back in class again did you kind of have that as well
1: yeah that's pretty much exactly what happened it At first, I thought the idea of it was really great. But then when I was in it, I was thinking I'm totally off from all my friends' schedules and what they're doing. And I remember one St. Patrick's Day showing up and uh, the party was basically over because I couldn't show up till after I was done work. And they had started drinking at 12 and that was the end of the night. So
0: It leaves you a little bit – I mean even though it's beneficial, it leaves you a little academically disoriented because there were probably times when you were going to school through the summer – And all of your friends were back home working at that point.
1: Yeah, there was one summer when I was at Dow that um, I was there in the summer and all my friends were back home in Toronto or other places and, you know, having fun or traveling. And I was kind of stuck in school. So, yeah, there were times where it definitely was not the best.
0: (laughs) But, you know, you graduated with some great experience. So uh, tell us about uh, the companies you did your co-op with and what departments they were.
1: Yeah, sure. I think, um, well, one of my favorite placements was when I worked at the Marriott Hotel um, in Halifax because it was cool. Um, I kind of worked in all different departments and accounting, HR, sales and marketing kind of really understood what it's like to work in a hotel and kind of got experience. Exposure to all different types of business so I really enjoyed that and then I did one uh, summer where I worked at a GE in the commercial real estate division doing finance
0: and, and after you graduate graduate excuse me graduated and got your Bachelor of Commerce mm-hmm. uh, you stay in Halifax where did you go from there
1: so after I graduated I came back to Toronto and I guess like every other undergraduate, uh, graduate, uh, I was unemployed and looking for a job. And, um, I had the idea of going into, um, advertising and marketing type thing. And I met up with a girl who had graduated from Dal, and she was working at a media company, uh, an agency. So she kind of told me about her experiences. So I thought, okay, maybe this could be a good fit for me. So I started applying for, um, assistant media planner jobs.
0: And where did you land?
1: Uh, i was at cassette
0: and uh when you landed at cassette as an assistant media planner what were you doing digital television radio everything
1: uh mostly uh did outdoor uh online and uh print but um was involved in some radio and tv planning but uh you know that's kind of typically bought by media buyers so it wasn't as involved in those media
0: and cassettes one of the the higher profile agencies in the country especially if you put them in the silo of canadian-owned and operated media agencies so a lot of prolific clients there um, who did you have the privilege of working with or working on
1: uh so when I started they had just won the Cadbury account this is before Cadbury was bought by Kraft um so they had a need to hire people for that account since they just won it so that's when I was hired to work on that account specifically Anything else outside of Cadbury? Uh, Yeah, once I was promoted, I moved over to the IKEA account. And I've worked on some smaller accounts, um, Two Oceans Wine, Disney Parks, um, kind of over the course when I was there. But those were kind of the two main accounts I worked on.
0: I want to focus on IKEA because uh, you did something really unique. And I want you to tell us about it. It was an interesting campaign. and, And when we spoke about it ahead of time, it looked like it was light years ahead of its time. A lot of the stuff that you did, what was this like three, four, or five years ago?
1: Yeah. Two thousand eleven. Yeah, Eleven <laughs> years
0: ago. Yeah, that's four years ago. Yeah. People are doing right now. So tell us about uh, the campaign you did with is it who's dot com? How's. House. House. H-O-U-Z-Z.com.
1: Correct. Yes. Um yeah, so I had heard about the site and uh kind of looked into it and it seemed really cool. Uh, basically people can shop for different, you know, interior design ideas and they can add it to their idea books. So it's pretty similar of how Pinterest works now with pinning, um, boards, but Pinterest didn't exist at the time. So they hadn't done any advertising or anything like that. And I had spoken to the president who was out in California directly saying, Hey, you know, I work on this Ikea account, um, represent Ikea Canada as a national brand. And, um, would it be possible to you know, work together on a, a campaign. So we worked together and came up with the idea of uh, sponsored photos, um, which is pretty common now, like you said, but wasn't really done back then.
0: I mean, I mean, some of the stuff like I mean, sponsored photos. That's probably native advertising, sponsored content at its best. That's kind of like what the buzzword is right now. The way people were like last year was programmatic. Right. This year is native advertising. How did you get in touch with them? Because. This was literally this partner site you worked with was a one man show, and yeah. here you are from this big media big media, big media agency representing this multinational retailer and going to them and going, hey, take us seriously. We've got money for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I actually just went on the site and went onto the contact page and what are their whatever their info at? How's you know just a general email. Uh, emailed him and, you know, went to, since it was a one person company at the time, it's much bigger now, um, went directly to him and, you know, he was pretty excited about it since I don't think they had really been approached uh, about advertising before. So.
0: And when you approached the gentleman who was running house.com, it- guess the principal, he was the only one there. You had the privilege of dictating what was going to happen saying this is how you're going to monetize that. I think that's really impressive and it's a kind of privilege that not a lot of people have in the industry to be able to say that to content providers.
1: Thanks. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean it was a very cool campaign to work on because any other media campaign typically you are not kind of inventing new media or creating something new. You're You're buying from something that already exists. So I think that's why it's one of the most exciting campaigns that I worked on.
0: And was there a lot of selling that had to be done internally to your bosses at uh, Cassette on this as well as the people at IKEA? Because this was a a very obscure idea, kind of like a swing for the fences.
1: Yeah, I think typically when you're trying to convince a client to Try something new or completely different. the The best way, the easiest way to do it is smaller budget. So, you know, you're not going to have to throw a ton of money at this. Really small amount. Let's try it out. And so, our keyword, kind of trying to sell this idea, was test. We're going to do a test run, and then if you like it, we'll invest more money later on.
0: Gotcha. I, when IKEA comes to mind, I think about. Do you remember what they did? The book book video from a couple months ago. Mm -hmm. yeah where they were literally and that's why when i look at this case study i'm like they were very they're at the forefront for digital but then they make that viral video that kind of makes fun of ipads and everything else like that and going no it's the old-fashioned catalog you want to stick with right but uh outside of ikea i wanted to ask you were there any sort of campaigns that you know didn't go the way you wanted them to if you had to do them all over again you'd do something a little bit different
1: uh yeah there was one campaign i worked on it was Um, when I was kind of, I guess, rising up and, you know, soon to be promoted and was getting more responsibility and more client interaction, um, I was kind of the sole lead on one of these campaigns and, uh... My client basically kept delaying, not responding, changing his mind. So originally the campaign that was planned uh, didn't end up going live until about three months later, which kind of when you have a specific calendar to stick to really isn't ideal. So I think you know that wasn't the best campaign I worked on.
0: And uh, during your time at Cassette – How did the media landscape change or the asks from clients or the demands put on you? Did you see a lot of shift to one medium? Certain things go away?
1: Yeah, there were, I mean, I think there's always a lot of changes in media seems to be kind of from month to month, but definitely from the time that I was there, there was a lot of changes in terms of, I mean, obviously digital, I think kind of when I started, um, digital was kind of an afterthought. It was kind of, you know, let's chuck a certain small amount of money of the budget to digital campaigns. And then sort of as time went on, it was more integrated with everything. It was, um, we need a campaign and how are we going to incorporate digital into this Campaigns, so it definitely got bigger budgets and kind of got more importance as time went on.
0: I'm happy to hear people are starting to understand that digital is catching on. I I was,
1: you know, just now, just now. (laughs) When I worked for
0: integrated companies, some of the stuff that I, I actually had. This is a true story. Someone once asked me a couple. I was working at the CBC, and one TV rep asked me if he thought, if I thought YouTube was going to catch on. Oh, (laughs) it had already been bought by Google at this point. It wasn't niche, so. Uh, But anyways, uh, you actually made a really dramatic shift uh, in your career. You decided to uh, uh, quit cassette, and then what did you do next?
1: So I went back to school, and I went for my MBA.
0: And where did you uh, do your MBA?
1: Uh, at York University or Schulich School of Business.
0: And uh, we've had other people who have been on the show who have left work full-time to go pursue a master's. I'm going to ask mm-hmm. you the same question that I asked them. Sure. Did people think you were crazy for quitting your job and moving on, uh, going back to school?
1: Yeah, there was definitely a fair amount of comments, especially you know, if, especially when you start to You know, get more responsibility and advertising, and you're promoted and you're kind of on track for this career, you know, to kind of stop that and to go back to school people kind of think, well, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. So yeah, I definitely got some comments about that.
0: Especially too, when they look at it from a dollars and cents perspective, you're making money, yeah. then you're going to quit and, <laughs> and spend money. And yeah. I mean, an MBA tuition, that, that, that's a pretty tall order as well. So they were probably looking yeah. at you going, no, 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 what are you doing? You're on the way up here. Uh, but tell us a bit about your time at Schulich when you're doing your MBA. How did that compare back to your undergraduate uh, days at uh, Dalhousie?
1: Yeah. Well, it definitely wasn't as fun. (laughs) Let me, let me just say that, Um, you know, it's a lot more about the learning and the work and the classes. Um, There's a lot less socialization. And I think that's also, it's so different than undergrad because everybody's kind of in different stages of their lives. There's a lot of people that go and do a master's after, you know, they're married and have kids and they don't really have time to, you know, go to bars after class and and socialize and, and things like that.
0: And I assume – I'm assuming you know, moving back from Halifax and in the GTA, you commuted to Schulich.
1: Yeah, I commuted to Schulich. So yeah.
0: that was completely – did that change the dynamic a little bit whereas Dalhousie, you were living on campus or around campus and it wasn't necessarily a stone throw away. You had to go there.
1: Yeah, it's completely different kind of going to a commuter school versus going to a school where everyone kind of lives around campus and everyone kind of hangs out. And especially York being out in the middle of nowhere, people don't really hang out there. They go, they go to school, they take their classes, and then they go home. So.
0: They're getting a subway stop, so yes. it's not completely <laughs> in the middle of nowhere uh, just yet.
1: That was supposed to be this year.
0: <laughs> I know. It's been pushed back like a year yeah. and a half. Uh, so was there anything? were there any classes that resonated with you uh, specifically?
1: yeah i mean i ended up taking a course called entrepreneurship and new new firm creation and i just took it because i thought it would be fun and it's when i was in my summer semester uh and i think that that's the class that had the biggest impact on me for sure
0: and that was the class you said was larry gingsburg yes and uh so it changed you and it put you would you say onto the path where you are now
1: Yeah, I'd say definitely. I mean, I kind of went into the class just thinking it would be fun. And I heard there was a project where you got to, you know, write a business plan and create a product or service. And that was really different than the other classes. But by the end of it, I thought, wait, this seems pretty good. I mean, this seems like a good fit for me that I could potentially do as a career. So yeah, it was was pretty... Life-changing, I guess you could say.
0: So you found that they focused a lot on giving you the confidence to go out there rather than just the technical expertise to start your own company, but the confidence to actually do that.
1: Yeah, I think the way that um, he taught the class was really inspirational because he was all about anybody can be an entrepreneur. And as long as you find an opportunity or you solve a problem or find a gap in the market, kind of just go for it and uh, don't look back type thing.
0: Okay, so that. Would you say that that's led us to where you are now in your career?
1: Yeah. I mean, he always talked about there's opportunities kind of everywhere you look. So I think I was just kind of looking out for the right opportunity. And I kind of had that in the back of my mind that if I found something that felt right, I would pursue it as a business.
0: And uh, that brings us to where you are now, yes. Ignite Consulting. Before we go yeah. any further, uh, just because I want people to have the opportunity to put your website up while they're listening to this, uh, where can they find your firm?
1: So just go to igniteconsulting.ca.
0: Okay. And uh, Ignite, let's yeah. talk first about the idea. You were just saying a couple of moments ago that uh, if you found the right idea that, that that pushed you into entrepreneurship, what was that idea that brought you to Ignite?
1: So the idea I had basically was, um, having worked for, you know, larger agencies on larger clients, um, large businesses and corporations kind of always get serviced in marketing and people are always going after them. But, uh, what I found was that I had a lot of different friends or people that I knew who started their own businesses or they were entrepreneurs or had small businesses and they didn't really have anywhere to go in terms of getting help and marketing. Um, they couldn't really afford the large agency fees and they didn't necessarily have the expertise to do it on their own.
0: Okay. So, um, so you laid the foundation for that. What made you come up with the name Ignite or, or choose that for the company?
1: So, the idea behind Ignite was like growth. So, uh, I can help you ignite your business, as cheesy as that might sound. No,
0: that's not cheesy. <laughs> Look, I'd say if you can explain why you went with the name, that's good enough. Yeah. Because at least you know why. You're not yeah. just doing it for show.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I wanted to ask you about the sales aspect of uh, of your agency because you've got to go out and hunt for clients yes i'm a media sales rep and even though we can be a nuisance in our industry there's an apparatus set up for us people are there as you know anticipating us they've got briefs they've got things like that but you on the other hand might not necessarily have the benefit of that apparatus so how do you go about finding those new clients
1: yeah i mean it's it's uh definitely a whole different um area especially because in my career i'd never done any types of sales work at all before. So, um, you kind of have to try all different ways in order to get clients. So, um, whether it's networking events, um, I've found social media to be pretty amazing, um, in terms of getting the word out there and, uh, just kind of old fashioned, you know, call people and and meet with them in person.
0: Perfect. You mentioned social media going to assume LinkedIn has probably been the yeah. most valuable conduit for it. Yes. Yep. Social selling really is all the rage. Uh, so you've how long have you uh, been principal at uh, Ignite or had your own company?
1: Uh, well, kind of had the idea, you know, the beginning of last summer and officially launched, I'd say, beginning of September 2014.
0: Okay. So you've been at it now, would you say, for about eight or nine months? Yeah. Do you think you could ever go back working for someone else after being your own boss?
1: I don't think so. (laughs) I just find that, uh, it's pretty great to kind of have complete creative control and, um, work with clients directly. So, um, I really enjoy it and it would be difficult to go back for sure.
0: This is perfect. Uh, okay, Blair, we're going to close with the same question I give to everyone else. Uh, if you weren't in media, what would you be doing or marketing? What would you be doing and why?
1: Um, it's a good question. I have a friend who does research at U of T and she's pretty amazing. She finds like tries to find cures for diseases and works with lab rats. And while that completely disgusts me and I hate science, I think that's a really um, beneficial job for the world. So if I enjoyed science, I would think I'd want to be doing something like that.
0: Awesome. This has been great. Blair, thanks for your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. For more episodes, go to soundcloud.com slash media podcast and follow me on Twitter at Vic Genova.